Hey guys, this is Jim. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Holmes Politicast. And we have, as usual, a lot of stories to get to today. <clears throat> so we'll jump right in. The first one is from the Daily Wire. So I enjoy the Daily Wire. It's Daily Wire. It's a pretty conservative website, and uh, a lot of really good articles. Anyway, this one, even though it's more of a national website, this one's talking about some Michigan issue here. Uh, the headline, it's by a guy named, a man named Tim Pierce, and he writes, Michigan drops charges against Barber for lockdown violations after Whitmer orders struck down. So Michigan state prosecutors have dropped charges against Owasso Barber, Carl Mankey, for opening his shop on May 4th in violation of Governor Whitmer's lockdown order. Prosecutors dropped misdemeanor charges against the shop owner for violating local health orders and Whitmer's lockdown order on Friday, according to the Lansing State Journal. Prosecutors moved to drop the charges after the Michigan Supreme Court ruled Whitmer's lockdown after April 30th when the governor's first emergency declaration over the pandemic would have timed out unconstitutional. Our client is thrilled and pleased that he's been vindicated, Minky's attorney David Kalman said. During the legal battle, Menke faced multiple fines along with the misdemeanor charges and had his license suspended. His license was reinstated in June, though there remains an open formal complaint on it that Menke's lawyers are pushing to get removed. The state Supreme Court's 4-3 ruling came down on October 2nd, spiking Whitmer's authority to call consecutive emergency declarations over the coronavirus pandemic. We conclude that the governor lacked the authority to declare a state of emergency or a state of disaster under the 1976 Emergency Management Act after April 30th, 2020, on the basis of the COVID-19 pandemic, the court ruled. Furthermore, we conclude that the 1945 Emergency Powers of the Governor Act is in violation of the Constitution of our state because it purports to delegate to, delegate to the executive branch the legislative powers of state government, including its plenary police powers, and to allow the exercise of such powers indefinitely. As a consequence, the EPGA cannot continue to provide a basis for the governor to exercise emergency powers. Whitmer bashed the ruling when it came out. As the Daily Wire reported, Whitmer called the ruling deeply disappointing and said that it's putting Michigan at risk for a resurgence of the coronavirus after, quote, I have done everything in my power to protect our seniors, small businesses, and first responders from the worst public health emergency in over a century. Today's Supreme Court ruling, handed down by a narrow majority of Republican justices, is deeply disappointing, and I have vehemently disagree with the court's interpretation of the Michigan's Constitution. Whitmer said in a statement, right now, every state and the federal government have some form of declared emergency. With this, with this decision, Michigan will become the sole outlier at a time when the Upper Peninsula is experiencing rates of COVID infection not seen in our state since April, end quote. Whitmer managed to put many of her lockdown regulations back into place, citing vague precedent of gubernatorial powers from the 1918 pandemic. As the Daily Wire reported, the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services 
issued new orders on Monday to keep in place mask requirements, limits on public gatherings, and other health codes put in place by the governor's administration during the coronavirus pandemic. The fresh mandates come days after the Michigan Supreme Court ruled that Whitmer lacked the authority to continue to enforce emergency health codes for the pandemic. Whitmer's office said the new orders are based on authority given to the governor during the 1918 Spanish flu epidemic, which was not challenged in the court's decision. Violation of this order are punishable by a misdemeanor. Oh, it's just weird wording. Okay. Violations of this order are punishable by a misdemeanor punishable by imprisonment for not more than six months or a fine of not more than $200 or both. Violations of this order are also punishable by a civil fine of up to $1,000, the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services said. So now we're going old school here. She's, she, the 1945 rule was thrown out and the 1976 rule was thrown out. So now she's going back to a 1918 rule and putting that into place. This is just ridiculous. Just when you think that this that this this is over this this I hate to word, use the word tyranny because I don't want to use the same verbiage as those lunatics who wanted to declare martial law by themselves and, and have their own posse to hunt down Whitmer but you can't just keep doing this why doesn't she want to work with the legislature I just don't understand what she's so afraid of of sitting down with the legislature showing them the info and saying, hey, let's work out an agreement together. Let's come up with something. Why does she insist on running this by herself? I just don't understand this. Why she's so opposed to having the legislature help her with this. Um, uh, and even though the Supreme Court ruled on this, I still think it's imperative that these uh, um, petitions go forward because I'm not even in favor of a Republican using this, these laws. This is not just an anti-Democratic thing or anti-Whitmer thing. I don't think the governor should have the power to do these unilateral state of emergencies. I understand a short-term emergency, which is what these originally were. You know, if, if there was an emergency like uh, a terror attack or, you know, um, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of something that might happen where it could happen when the legislature's out of session. Maybe there's a, a, you know, I hate to put ideas in people's heads, but maybe there's some kind of a terrorist activity at the Capitol and, and, the, and the legislature has to flee or, you know, or something like this. Something major happens and you can't get the legislature back right away. I do understand the need for the governor or on a national sense for the president to have some limited emergency powers because there are sometimes decisions have to be made right now and you can't get the Congress together or the legislature together and brief them on everything and then have them vote and all this. There are times that you do have to have that. I'm not opposed to the governor having some executive authority in the case of emergency, but I don't like this open-ended where they can declare an emergency just until they decide to get rid of it. It needs to be limited until uh, the amount of time until you can get either um, the legislature gathered or if there's some kind of horrible uh, event that happens in which our legislature is killed or, 
you know, some kind of disaster and they have a quorum. Um, I, I'm not really sure what the Constitution says in that case, but I, I believe the governor would have to appoint people or, or, or a special election or something. I'm not really sure how it works on a state level. I do know how it works if, a, if your Congress, if, if, the, if the federal Congress, something happened, the governors of those states would appoint, appoint people in some cases, and in other cases, you'd have to have a special election that would have to be called. But I'm not sure how it works with the governor, but regardless, if there was some disaster where they couldn't convene or in which they were killed, many of them were killed, there wasn't enough for a quorum, until you can get them re-elected or the governor can appoint people, uh, again, like I said, I don't know how it works, but until you can get a quorum, then the governor would have to have some power to make decisions that have to be made right now. I, I agree with that totally. I'm not saying that the governor should not have any power whatsoever for emergencies, but um, I do believe it needs to be curbed. I'm not saying that because it's Whitmer. I'm not saying that because I'm anti-woman. I'm not saying that because uh, it's a Democrat and that I would be totally in favor of this if this was Rick Snyder or, you know, or some other governor. Um, that's not true. I would be opposed to the open-ended, uh, regardless of what governor or what sex they are or what uh, party they belong to. I don't believe any governor should have the power for this kind of open-ended emergency. So definitely, um, I'm happy that the the, the uh, Supreme Court stepped in. This is why we have a government of, of laws and not of people, and this is why I'm totally opposed to the idea of people kidnapping Governor Whitmer and holding a trial and all this, because as individuals, we cannot take the law in our own hands. We have things like petitions, we have Supreme Courts, we have other things that can make rulings. We don't need the bullet. We don't need revolution, um, or certainly we don't need um, uh, insurrections. We don't need people taking the law into their own hands, assassinations, uh, these kind of things, because unlike many other countries, we have the power as the people. We have a system in place to um, to uh, if we have differences, they can be decided in, in the court of law or through the political process. We don't have to resort to killing and murder and mayhem and chaos and, and these things. So I'm totally in favor of what the Supreme Court did. And I, but I do believe that we do need to make laws um, either th because the legislature has been spineless on this. The people need to have a petition so we can make, th so this doesn't happen again. So we aren't put in the same position every time there's an emergency, every time they feel that they want to declare an emergency that the governor can just go ahead and declare one and, and not deal with the people's representatives in Lansing. Um, so, uh, and I'll have another story about uh, California, which is kind of related to this emergency, but. I want to talk real quick about another ruling in Michigan, and that, and this is from M Live. Uh, I don't. Oh, it's by Taylor Desormo. I guess is how you pronounce it. I really apologize if that's not how it's pronounced. 
Um, but the headline reads, open carry of firearms banned at Michigan polling places on election day. This was updated on the, tw- on the 16th of October. And it says, Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, with the backing of Attorney General Dana Nessel, has ordered Michigan election officials to prohibit open carry firearms at polling places on election day. Benson sent the notice to clerk's offices across the state on Friday, October 16th, saying the move is necessary to prohibit voter intimidation, disruptions, and fear at the polls November 3rd. The announcement did not cite any state law affording Benson's office the authority to order such a ban, though Nessel is supporting the move after reviewing open carry laws. Uh, I am committed to ensuring all eligible Michigan citizens can freely exercise their fundamental right to vote without fear of threats, intimidation, or harassment, Benson said in a news release. Prohibiting the open carry of firearms in areas where citizens cast their ballots is necessary to ensure every voter is protected. Benson's office said she issued the directive in furtherance of her role as Michigan's chief election officer with supervisory control over uh, local elected officials in the performance of their duties. Open carry of firearms won't be allowed within 100 feet of the buildings where people vote, Benson announced. Benson's directive issued to clerks won't apply to law enforcement on the job, nor would it affect concealed carry of weapons. However, concealed carry is generally banned in many types of buildings used for elections like schools and churches. Benson, Nessel, and the Michigan State Police are working to make sure the directive is enforced evenly come November 3rd. Michigan voters have the right to vote in person on Election Day free from threat and intimidation, Nessel said. An armed presence at the polls is inconsistent with our notion of a free democracy. If voters witness intimidation or other issues, they should immediately tell a poll worker and document the exchange, Benson's news release says. If there's imminent danger, call 911. To read the full guidance on the firearms ban, click, oh, well, uh, you can't click here because you're on the radio. And so, um, anyway, now we find out the reason why. Some election experts have feared problems at the polls this November. As President Donald Trump has encouraged supporters to sign up to be poll watchers to monitor sites and make sure the, quote, radical left, unquote, doesn't steal the 2020 election. The move also comes on the heels of a foiled plot from a Michigan militia group to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Some of these alleged suspects were photographed holding guns hovering over the legislature during a session at the state capitol earlier this year, reigniting the debate over whether guns should be banned inside the capitol. All right. This one, uh, to me, is really a no-brainer. I don't know why they're doing this. First of all, I don't know what authority they have to do this. They said that they're not basing this on any actual any, uh, uh, any state law. It says right here, the announcement did not cite any state law affording Benson's authority to order such a ban. So she has no authority to do this. I'm not sure. I agree. We don't want people holding guns and threatening and intimidating voters. But if there are police officers there, which they said, which obviously they're going to be police officers in some areas, because they said this is going to ban, the ban isn't going to apply to police officers. Well, they can handle it. And if you see that, they can call 911. I mean, 
you know, and the police could come there to make sure that nobody's being intimidated. Um, you know, I mean, I, I understand that you don't, like I said, I, I understand you don't want people on either side um, holding guns on people and, and or even just intimidating them, staring them down or things, holding their gun on the trigger finger, which I guess it's a move against conservatives because, I mean, even though there are there are some, as far as on the rank and file Democrats, like of the people, there are a lot of Democrats who are uh, pro-Second Amendment. Uh, there are very few polit Democratic politicians who are pro-Second Amendment, but there are many people who vote Democrat who are a little more liberal that actually don't have a problem with guns. So I don't want to paint with a wide brush here and say that it's only Republicans that carry weapons. There are a number of Democrats that do, but it is primarily Republicans that they're, that they are concerned about. They're not really concerned about um, Joe Biden's thugs out there holding guns on people. I suppose an argument could be made about some radical Black Lives Matter groups or like the Black Panthers or something like that. I do remember back in the maybe 70s or 80s hearing about Black Panthers in some states, New York and California particularly, where they would stand outside polling places with guns and it was intimidating white voters um, in order to ensure that black turnout was was uh, counted in these areas. Uh, so I, I mean, I'm not, so I guess I can't say it's absolutely only Republicans that would do this. There are some radical uh, liberal groups that would also use weapons, but this is primarily against Republicans because like they said, because Donald Trump made the comment about poll watchers, they're afraid that they're gonna have a bunch of people there, a bunch of Republicans with weapons intimidating voters. I don't see this as being a problem, and if it is a problem, they can call the police. If the police are not already there, you can call the police and and have it, um, and have it taken care of. I mean, it, you're not going to have like it's not going to be like a bank robber. You're not going to have a group of of so-called Republican thugs taking over the ballot place, you know, and holding everyone hostage until they vote a certain way. I mean. So I don't see this as being a major threat, and I don't see constitutionally or even through a state law, um, which should, by all means, by all accounts, should uh, be in alignment with the Constitution. But as we all know, sometimes laws aren't. That's why we have the Supreme Court to make rulings. I just don't see this as being a problem, and I don't think it's constitutional, and I don't think it's uh, – I don't think there's even a state law that gives – them the authority to um, not allow weapons on site. Uh, again, what are they going to do if they do see someone with a weapon? The poll workers aren't armed. They're going to have to call the police. Well, isn't that exactly what we're talking about just now? That if there's a problem, you can call the police. I mean, I don't, I, I just don't understand why, why are, you know, why are they banning it? Most people aren't going to bring their guns anyway. And if they do, like I said, if there's a problem, call the police because that's what um, you would do anyway if someone does show up with a gun, if, if they have this law saying, this rule, and they have to call the police anyway. So I, I don't see what this is accomplishing. And, you know, I'm saying call the police, but then I remember 
the Democrats are in charge and Democrats don't believe the police do anything except just uh, kill black people. So I guess their answer wouldn't be just call the police if there's a problem. Um, so I don't know. Anyway, I think that's just rather silly and ridiculous. Um, a ridiculous law or ruling because it's not even law. But we have to do what we have to do, I guess, um, because I don't know how we could fight this in just a couple of weeks. You don't have time to take it to court or anything. By the time I got through, the election would be over. So, Anyway, now on to the People's Republic of California, where Governor Newsom limits gatherings to three families, two hours or less, and no singing. This California, say what you want about our governor. I am not a fan of our governor at all, but she is Thomas Jefferson compared to Governor Newsom in California. This place is like communist North Korea or China or, you know, take your pick, uh, Soviet Union style tactics. I mean, they just recently I saw where they have a law or they have a ruling or something in restaurants that you have to wear a mask in between bites. So you can remove your mask to put a piece of food in your mouth, but you have to put the mask back on in restaurants. That is just dumb. That is beyond stupid. We're talking absolute lunacy. And the fact that anybody would put up with that is 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 just beyond me. And now Governor Newsom, um, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of a, a, a new nickname for this guy. Uh, I'll have one by next week, believe me. Um, is now, okay, Governor Newsom and his California Department of Public Health, or the Gestapo, issued another new set of social distancing guidelines prohibiting gatherings that include more than three households at any time. The October 9th document, Mandatory Requirements for All Gatherings, explains that all private gatherings must limit the number of attendees and are required to be held outside. Gatherings are defined as social situations that bring together people from different households at the same time in a single space or place. When people from different households mix, this increases the risk of transmission of COVID-19. <clears throat> despite, despite the World Health Organization's special envoy urging world leaders this week to stop using lockdowns as, a, as your primary control method, the governor continues to discuss at his daily press conferences the people with infections or cases. But these are not cases. Actual practicing medical doctors refer to cases as those in the hospital or in the ICU or those who have died as a result of COVID-19. All right. The CDPH, the Gestapo, California Gestapo, explains gatherings should be less, should be two hours or less. Singing, chanting, Shouting or physical, ex physical exertion significantly increases the risk of COVID-19 because these activities increase the release of respiratory droplets. Because of this, singing, chanting, and shouting are strongly discouraged. But if they occur, the following rules and recommendations apply. All people, all people who are singing or chanting should wear a face mask covering at all times, including anyone who is leading a song or a chant. 
People who are singing, shouting, chanting, or exercising are strongly encouraged to maintain physical distancing beyond six feet of further reduce, to further reduce risk. People who are singing or chanting have to do so quietly at or below the volume of a normal speaking voice. Instrumental music is allowed. Instrumental music is allowed as long as the musicians maintain a six-foot physical distancing. Musicians must be from one of only of the three households. So you can't have three different people from different households playing instruments. If you're playing a wind instrument, that is discouraged. That is not allowed. Um, okay. Uh, it says here, as far as far as for requiring gathering gatherings two hours or less, because the longer the duration, the risk of the transmission increases, is totally arbitrary. And there is no word yet on riots and protests counting as gatherings. Should they be omitted to three families, two hours or less, no singing or shouting? Um, okay, this is just this is just ridiculous. And then, um, uh, while Governor Newsom continues to convol convolute, uh, yeah, and extend the state's COVID guidelines, killing off more businesses. The Great Barrington Declaration doctors say he is also putting more of the state's residents at risk for lower childhood vaccination rates, worsening cardiovascular disease outcomes, fewer cancer screenings, and deteriorating mental health, leading to greater excess mortality in years to come. And the working class and younger members of society carrying the heaviest burden. Keeping students out of school is a grave injustice. Um... Okay, yeah, and now also there is there are three churches that are suing Governor Newsom because uh, they can't meet, they can't, um, and they're not allowed to sing. If they do meet in households, um, they're not allowed to sing. So this is just this is just insanity. Like I said, I mean, our 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 governor is. Horrible. I'm not at all in favor of her draconian lockdowns, but she is a saint compared to Governor Cuomo in New York and Governor Newsom in California. And Governor Newsom is now quickly taking the lead. He's taking the crown, if you will, taking la corona in the uh, in the dictatorial um, competition here. Uh, this is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, absolutely ridiculous. I, I, I just don't understand how anybody would put up with this. Why the people are not revolting against this kind of behavior. Uh, this week, also, this is not a news story, but uh, it doesn't cover a news story. But this week, also, as of as of this taping, the third debate will be happening this week. Um, I'm going to be watching it. I'll let you know. I may be doing a special show based on that. I it also depends on a lot of things happen this week. If uh, you know, if I want to just devote next week's show to it, or if I want to, if I have other issues to talk about, and so I need to do a separate show just on the debate. But um, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. I, I, they're going to do some stupid thing where cutting mics. I don't like this at all. I don't. Uh, we'll see how it works. 
but in theory, it just doesn't sound good. I mean, uh, I don't understand. I mean, again, this is just for Donald Trump. Is this going to be a new rule forever, or is this just to affect Donald Trump? I don't get that. And how is that going to work? And are they going to do it equally? Are they going to be cutting Biden's mic? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to see. So, um, but I think, um, I, I I think Donald Trump would be a little more uh, um, not interrupting as much. I think he'll want Biden to have a chance to answer questions and or not answer the questions. I think I think he'll be strong. I don't think he's just going to sit there like a like a whipped pup, you know, and refuse to bring up anything. But I but I don't think he'll be doing as much interrupting. I think he'll bring up he'll bring up issues and and I think he'll be forceful. But I don't think he'll be I don't think he'll overdo it, but I mean, we have to see. It's just hard to say with any certainty because Trump is a little unpredictable at times, and it's hard to predict what he's going to do. But I would think that he probably will be a little more. Um, I don't know. I don't know how to word it, but I, I think I think he'll be strong. But I don't think he's going to be overpowering, where he's just constantly interrupting and and constantly on the attack. I think he'll be strong, but not overkill. Um, and I think my prediction is that my prediction is Trump will win the debate because he he didn't do badly last time, but uh, a lot of people were upset about, myself included, with the constant interruption. So I think if he just is strong, number one, he'll win if he just doesn't come off as obnoxious. And number two, um, I think there's a lot of pressure on Biden because he'll actually have to answer questions this time. And I don't think he's going to do real well. I, I could be wrong about Biden, but I don't think he's going to do as well. That's just my, my gut instinct tells me he's going to have a lot of trouble in this debate. Um, it's just my gut instinct that he's going to have some trouble. Especially because he's going to be on the defensive a number of times about his son, Hunter Biden, and different um, stories that are coming out. There's a lot of conflicting stories. Um, as we know all the time, right before the election, there's a lot of stuff that's going to come out. Some of it is going to be true. Some of it's going to be partially true. Some of it's going to be nonsense on both sides against Biden and Trump. So I, I really want to hear what Biden has to say about these because I've heard what the Republicans have said, I've heard what the Democrats have said, but I haven't heard what what Biden has said about it. And I'd be interested in hearing his what he has to say about this. And 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 just test his sincerity to see if does he come off like someone who's lying? Does he come off as someone who's concerned? Does he dismiss it? Does he does he justify it? Does he point fingers and say, well, you know, Donald Trump's family's no better. Um, that's probably the worst thing he could do because then he'll be admitting that everything about that is true, but look at the other guy. He's just as bad. I think that's probably the worst tactic to take, but it is very possible that he'll take that tactic and say, you know, if you want to bring up my family, then let's talk about Donald Trump's family. And I just don't think that's a good move. Um, but we'll have to see. I'm looking forward to it, actually. Um, so the the thing I will not 
on election day, I will not be shocked if Biden wins. But I would be surprised if Biden wins. You understand what I mean? Like, there is a scenario where Biden could win, as we talked about last week. There are a lot of things going against Trump, a lot of forces going against Trump, that Biden could actually win this almost by default, just as an anti-Trump vote, not because of his policies, not because of him or anything. But I would, so I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be like, like in 2016, where I was, I was literally shocked that Trump won. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if Biden won, but I would be surprised because Trump is in his, a good position still. Um, I suspect Trump is going to win. I would, you know, I'd be surprised if he did, but I wouldn't be utterly shocked and just like, oh my God, what just happened here? Um, what I'm really going to look for in the election is how the Democrats do in the Senate. There is a good chance that they could retake the Senate. I'm again, I'm not, I, I'm not saying they will, but there's a good chance because the Senate, the Senate flips a lot over the course. The House seems to stay, like the House is definitely going to stay Democratic, um, because it usually happens for a few cycles. The House will stay either Democratically controlled or Republicanly controlled for quite a while. Um, and then during the uh, during the desert years from the 1950s until the 1990s, the Democratic was House for 40 years. So it was like from 54 to 94, which must have been horrible. I was too young to remember most of that. But the Senate over the years flips pretty regularly. Every couple of cycles, it'll flip. Every couple of election cycles, it'll go from Republican to Democrat. You know, so... Um, if it doesn't flip this time, it definitely will uh, two years from now. Because if the Senate just, um, because it's a statewide, it's not just in small districts. So it, it just constantly is in flux. You're constantly seeing a switch. So I, I I'm not saying it's going to happen this year, but it's 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 very likely it could happen this year. It will definitely happen in two years if if it doesn't this year. The Senate's going to end up going Democratic. Um, but that's what I'm going to be really looking for is not so much the, the, the presidential race, although, of course, that's always interesting, but how the Democrats, uh, how the Senate goes. It's going to be really interesting to me because, um, obviously, if the Democrats take the Senate and Biden wins, it's a disaster because then we'll have Democrats controlling all branches of government, and that's never good. Uh, if the Democrats win the Senate and Trump gets reelected, it'll be really hard for Trump to get much done. They will stifle him at every move. And a worst case scenario is they will re-impeach him and might have the votes to uh, remove him from office if the Senate is in control. So that one is, 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 in my opinion, actually more important is who controls the Senate because um, Biden with the Republican Senate won't be able to get much done. And Trump with the Democratic Senate won't be able to get much done. So uh, if Trump, if the Republicans take the Senate and Trump gets reelected, we'll have pretty much what we've been having the last two years. The House won't have much power um, and Trump will be able to still accomplish a lot of things. And if the Democrats 
Um, and if and the Republicans control the Senate and Biden get, well, I already said that, then he won't be able to get much done. So it's so I'm really interested in, in seeing how the Democrat or how the Democrats, how the Senate uh, election goes. That's what I'm really uh, interested in seeing on election night. Uh, so, but that's my again as of right now is just subject to change. But I think the Democrats have a good chance of winning the Senate, and Trump has a good chance of being reelected. Uh, but who knows? I mean, it's it's really hard to predict things because news happens so fast, and if this Hunter Biden story gets gains momentum which the media is trying to not to stifle it, but just like with the Hillary Clinton email scandal, the Democrats tried to, the media tried to stifle it for a long time, but at some point you just can't ignore it. Then this could be devastating to Biden. If it just fizzles out and a new story breaks about Trump, whether real or imagined, and the media just inundates the public with anti-Trump stories and puts the Trump campaign on defensive, then it's possible Biden could win. So it's really hard to predict right now what will happen because we don't know what bombshells they're holding on to. Um, there could be something that they're just waiting until the last minute to release about Trump. And they could be trying to hold back the dam of information about Biden and they could hold on to it for as long as possible, but eventually it's going to break through right before election. You know, it could be devastating. So it, it's really impossible at this point to know for sure who's going to win. But if I had to go with my gut right now, I would say that it's probably a good 80% chance that the Democrats will retain or Democrats will take the Senate. That's still a good 20% chance that they won't. And I'd say there's probably a good 80% chance that Trump will win the election. But that's just based right now on what's happening right now in the news. Um, anything could happen. And if, and if I mean, if, if Joe Biden gets up there and collapses or we have uh, – he has a, a, a cognitive decline or if, you know, it's over for Biden. But, I mean, the same thing happens if Donald Trump was to have a relapse, you know, from the COVID-19 and – you know, if he suddenly gets sick, has to go to the hospital, if suddenly, uh, you know, um, I don't know if you can be reinfected, but if you got reinfected or if, you know, any number of things like that happen, well, it could be over for Trump. Um, you know, so it's it's really hard to predict right now when you have two old men, one of them who's got cognitive decline like Biden, and another one who has recently had COVID-19, and we don't know the long-term effects of that, uh, you know, he could get sick again. There could be lingering problems from that that don't, don't show themselves right before the election. You know, one of the candidates could collapse on stage. Um, you know, they could, at any point, Biden could be rushed to the hospital uh, for any number of things. You know, there's just a lot of different scenarios that could happen between now and the election. So we'll see. But I'm really excited about it. Really excited about the election coming up. So, yeah, I'll let you know. Uh, well, I won't let you know, but you'll see if I do a special um, uh, uh, debate show 
Otherwise, I'll plan on seeing you next week. Um, yeah, I mean, Tom has been posting every once in a while here now. He's posted a little bit, and he pledged he'll start posting more regularly. I don't know if that means this week and every week, but a little more regularly. So keep an eye out for his show. Um, he's always got some amazing insights and and very passionate, which I appreciate. Um, so listen out for his show, and be sure to like and subscribe. And, Tell your friends, comment, uh, give us some feedback if you like what's going on, if you don't like what's going on, or if you like what we're talking about, don't like what we're talking about, if you like the host, if you don't like the host, whatever it is that you're, you want to share, or if you just have a topic you want to talk about, uh, be sure to be sure to comment. So anyway, thanks everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you again here real soon. Bye everyone.